Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have uh, Patricia Cove with us from Architectural Interiors and Design. Patricia, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure, Danielle. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, thank you. Um, so tell me a little bit about your background. Well, actually, my undergraduate degree is in education, and I started off as a high school English teacher back in the late 70s and through the 80s which I really enjoyed. But uh, back then, women seemed to become either a nurse or a teacher. And so my (laughs) parents gave me those two choices, and I ended up becoming an English teacher, which I really loved. But but my my love of architecture really outshone my desire for teaching. So, So that's how I transitioned. That's, um, that's interesting. My, um, I've heard my aunts that are probably similar, similar age talk about, you know, the, the career paths that they were given and then how they kind of got to, got to, uh, where they are now. So you, um, did you go, did you go back to school for architecture? Is that? I did. I actually went back to school and and my degree is actually in architectural history. Okay. Um, our love of old buildings is what really drew me into to design and renovation and restoration work okay very good and so how did you did you after you finished your schooling did you start your business or did you work for other people first how, how did how did I, did. Start it? I actually uh, near my apartment in my younger days was a fabulous store called john's contemporary interiors and back in the 70s you know everything was laminate and lacquer and I walked into that store and I just said I I need to move in here I love (laughs) this store (laughs) and I was really really lucky in that they hired me as a designer when I was going to school and that's where I got a lot of my my experience and I really learned about products and furnishings and finishes and so it was a great combination, learning about the history of buildings, as well as learning about the interiors and the architectural features. Yes, yes. And they do, they do go together and complement each other. Yeah. Okay, so what services do, does your firm offer? Well, originally, we did a lot of renovation and restoration work, which we loved. And that primarily is still our specialty. Uh, but as the years went by, 
people began to realize that some of these old historic buildings were too large for the way people were living today. Right, yeah. So probably in the early 90s, we started doing a lot of what's called adaptive reuse work. Okay. Where we would go into a large mansion that was probably, could be anywhere from fifteen to 30,000 square feet. Right. And especially here in Chestnut Hill, where we're located, there are an abundance of those types. Oh, they're, of they're huge, yeah. Yeah. So one of our first projects that we took on, we were so lucky to get it, was actually one of these buildings was being broken down into 12 apartments. Okay. And we got the, uh, the chance to do all the kitchens and the bathrooms and to create apartments within a historic structure while still maintaining the architectural integrity of the building. Yes. I, and I think that's a, that's a great reuse, but it's, I would think that that's also a challenge of, oh. of retaining the, the, the historic nature. Yes. Yeah. Well, what we tried to do was as one wall came down, we retained the crown molding, for example. Oh, that makes sense air rails and then those pieces were actually reused in another part of the building that 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 makes sense from a preservation standpoint but it also makes sense from a from a or sustainability standpoint it's very green that, that's not going into the the dumpster then absolutely absolutely yeah. so which uh what uh geographic areas do you serve do you primarily the greater philadelphia area or is there what areas do you serve well, originally when we started, most of our work was in Philadelphia, but over the years, many of our clients have since left and moved on. So our, our business then has expanded because we go, of course, where the work is. Yeah. So I have projects right now in Boston. I have two projects in Virginia, in Annapolis. Um, and one is just getting ready to start in Kentucky. So that Oh my goodness. That that's that's a little further further than the, the East Coast. The East Coast seems manageable. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. So well what drew you into into um, the historic aspect of architecture and preservation? Well, I, I don't know where it came from, but inside me I just love the architectural features of the of the historic homes yeah. um you know modern modern architecture is beautiful in that they bring the outside in but historic architecture has its own uh ambiance so to speak and every every different period has its own specific elements that are so different and unique and i love taking a look at the exterior of an architectural building and then looking how it relates to the interior and vice versa. Oh, yes. Yeah. Those specific features, for, for example, the, the Empire period and, and how it reflects Napoleon and the Napoleonic bee you, you would see in fabrics. Oh, yes. And coverings. And I, I just think that's just such, such a fascinating aspect to historic architecture. Well, and there's the little details, and that's what I say, you know, the details matter, you know, whether it's the, the nails that were used or the fasteners that were used in different time periods, like those little details are what you, you can tell. You, it gives you so many clues to the history of the building. And that's so, yeah. So yeah. I, 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 could, I could understand that. So what makes your, your business different? Well, I think our, our business 
this is different because we have a lot of um, education and background in these different fields. Uh, renovation, restoration work, um, historic architecture, and then bringing all of those combined interests into today and the way people live today. Oh, yeah. Because as you as you realize, people some people don't want to live in a truly Victorian house. Right. They want light and air, and sometimes you don't have that in, in a historic structure. So the challenge is taking today's lifestyle but still making it work within a historic building. I agree, and I I think that the the you know I I saw I think it was yesterday on a preservation discussion board I saw somebody say you know buildings are living you know you have to keep reuse you have to keep using them because they and the 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 usage has to change I mean nobody wants to live in a building that doesn't have indoor plumbing like <laughs> you know and and if, and if you and if you took you know if you went really back to the colonial you'd rip all that stuff out and That's nobody true. wants to live that way. So it, it is, you, it, and it's okay to make changes so that they build, I'd rather see a building change than just get demolished. Exactly, exactly. I, yeah, I, I know that there are, are um, different thoughts on that, but every building can't be a museum. <laughs> That's so true. Although I, I do have to say, you know, Chestnut Hill, where our business is located, is a National Historic District. Yes. And I think this might be one of your later questions. So maybe I'll, I'll save what I'm going to say for okay. you. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's fine. So what do you wish that you uh, knew when you got started that you know now? Um, well, actually, one of the things I, I, I wished I had known has to do with something that might not be as, as interesting as some of our other topics, but it has to do with um, the challenges of talking about how you're paid for your services. Right. Yeah. And, and um, when I first started, I was working a different way. And that would be, I would accumulate hours that I was spending with a client and then send them a bill. Right. Um, I found early on, very early on, that that was not so hot because people would look at the bill and say, wow, I had no idea you spent so much time on this right. project. Yeah. So soon after that experience, um, now how we work it is, we will go out to a client, we would talk about the project, and then we would come up with one contract. Fee. Like a fixed price. So, yeah. yeah. So, the so there's no surprises. Right. So yeah. that is probably the, the most important thing that, that we've learned. over. And I think that, I think that that's a struggle. And I think that when people are starting their businesses, that's often, you know, you think that's how people, people do it. So you're going to do it that way, but there, there's all, there sometimes are better ways and easier ways, ways that, ways that let you sleep better at night. <laughs> so true. So true. And it's so important to us that the clients are happy and they leave a project just thrilled. Right. And yeah. so I think when people know how much things are going to cost up front, it puts a, a much better scope on the entire project. Right. And then they don't, I, I feel like people don't then don't feel like if you spend a little bit more time on something that they, they don't start to get grumpy where maybe you're making yeah. it up someplace else. Like, you know, there's a balance. My, my dad and I would always, disagree when when we all work together that my parents retired a couple years ago my dad would always say there's a yin and a yang i'm like yeah but sometimes there's not like we need to work <laughs> <That's> right 
So do you have um, any design tips for our, our listeners? Oh, yes. Well, how we're working right now is within um, the framework of what we're calling the new modern. Okay. And how we define the new modern is people who live in a historic building, but are able to take and create a modern interior. Okay. And that, that does not mean destroying any of the architectural features. It's how to bring these architectural features in and complement, for example, modern furnishings. That makes so sense it's to me. Yeah. A, it's a blend of how your interior looks, and it looks modern, but yet it has all of this very, very interesting architectural detail. And you're not doing anything that's going to that can't be undone on the building. You're not going in and gutting it. You're leaving the historic fabric, but you're just complementing with things that can be changed in and out. That exactly. really makes a lot of sense to me. It's like the best of both worlds. Exactly. And, and people don't realize, I mean, it's surprising to me how many people can, can walk into a, a room, for example, and not appreciate the architecture, you know, the crown moldings. Yeah the medallions on the ceiling. And there are some developers, for example, that think that people just want blank boxes, just right. white walls, white yeah. ceilings, when all of these features can just add so much more interest to a space. They can, they can, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, and I does, it, it makes me giggle too, because I'll walk around and I'll look, I, I'm always looking up at, at the cornices. And, and, yeah, and, and, yeah <laughs> not, not very many people do that unless they're into it. That's right, that's right. But they do add, like if they weren't there, you miss them. Oh, and I, so even if you're not actively seeking them out and looking at them, I do think that it adds depth and, 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 and interest in the room. Yeah. 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 So what uh, challenges or trends do you see in preservation? Well, um, my biggest concern right now is for people who are buying up these historic homes and uh, for example, in Chestnut Hill, as a National Historic District, many of our buildings are what, what's called listed on a national or a local register, right. which means the exterior of the building is preserved to some extent, but the interior is not. So my, my biggest challenge is to um, reach out to these developers and people who buy these buildings thinking that A, they could just demolish it, right. or B, which is, I think, equally as bad, go in and just demolish the interior. Right. We, I, we've and, seen that working in Society Hill. Yes. Yeah. And just, you know, create white box rooms. And my feeling is if a person is going to invest in a historic building, why would they buy a, a stone structure and then walk to the interior and see a blank, a, like a, 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 an apartment building? Right, you know? right, yeah. So in working with developers here in Chestnut Hill, I try to convince them that maintaining these important interior architectural features is just as important as saving the outside of the building. It's yeah. hard. 
Yeah. Now, and, and that is hard. And there was actually a, uh, we have like a neighborhood Facebook group. I live in Lancaster city and uh-huh. um, somebody had posted, it was like a question that was not really questioned, but it was like something about painting brick and ruining the, ruining the brick. And I, you know, came from a preservation standpoint. I was explaining why you shouldn't paint the brick, but it was probably other issues going on, you know, but, and she was like, and she was like, well, the developers did this and now it's cost us $10,000 or the flippers did this. And now it's cost us, you know, $10,000 worth of damage. And I said, I can believe that, but they just want to sell the building. They don't care what happens afterwards. And, and that mentality really bothers me (laughs) if they're buying (laughs) older buildings. (laughs) They can go do that in a development, but they don't need to do that in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. Because it is, it's just, you're doing more damage to the building and that, that just gets me fired up. <laughs> That's so true. And, and believe it or not, we've had it now happen several times in Chestnut Hill. The, the buildings where the, the interiors were preserved, sold very quickly. There are two of them where the developer went in and just gutted the interior and put modern features in there. And they are the ones that are sitting on the market right now. Well, I hope that because they are financial, the developers usually are, their motivation is financial. Hopefully that'll be a lesson to them and they will stop them. Yes, we're hoping. (laughs) (laughs) So did you have anything else that you wanted to share with the, with our listeners that we didn't have a chance to cover? Well, um, I I guess I just wanted to share um, how important character is when it comes to communities that have a lot of historic structures. And it is these historic buildings that really add to the character of a community. And I would love to see all of these buildings preserved, no matter if the interior is preserved or not. The ultimate goal is to save these historic buildings because you cannot duplicate the quality, the, the architectural interest, and the beauty of these buildings today. It's just economically not feasible to do it. Right. So it's so much better to preserve what we have because these buildings tell such important stories in the end. They do. They do. And, and the, the amount of detail and um, that went into them. Like I, I remember I went and looked at a project in DC and it was an old post office in the coffered ceilings and all. And I'm look, and then I stand in my post office and I'm like, we have drop ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we used to put, you know, this I- incredible amount of, of architectural detail into, into a building. And, you know, now, you know, everything's disposable. Exactly. Exactly. How, how should our listeners contact you? Well, they can contact me through my website, which is www.patriciacove, all one word.com. They could also reach me directly through my email, which is patricia at patriciacove.com. Uh, they could also call me on my landline because as a historic preservationist, I still have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and that is 215-248-3219. Okay. I'm at my desk even during this, this very difficult period. I'm at my desk every day. Yes. And if they miss they can always leave a voicemail and I'm, I'm very good at getting back to people. Very good. Thank you. And I will make sure all of your contact information is on our website where the podcast will be hosted. So you'll, 
it, yeah, it'll that'd be great. people to refer back to also. Did you have any offers uh, for our listeners? I know when seminars and those kinds of things are being canceled now, but do, is there any place that anybody could see you or? Well, I, I actually do write a column for the Chestnut Hill Local, which appears okay. twice a month. And we talk about everything from historic buildings to how to arrange a kitchen or how to lay out your living room. Uh, we talk about all aspects of interior design in the column. Okay, um, very good. Yeah, and I also hold um, Zoom meetings. I don't have one scheduled right now, but they could easily check my website for a Zoom meeting. And we talk again about all aspects about interior design. Very, very cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I, I felt like I learned some things and, and I appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Danielle. I, I wish you a lot of luck, too. I, I'm going to have to learn a lot about your business because we are always searching for good contracting firms that specialize in preservation. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.